Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. When I was young, in the 1950s, I attended Catholic Grammar School and I memorized the Baltimore Catechism. In fact, I think I got an A on all of my tests. Um, I faithfully attended Mass each week, not because I wanted to, but because I was afraid if I didn't, I would suffer eternal damnation. I followed all the rules. I followed my Catholic faith um, faithfully. But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine. I can't even share with you how I was so wrote in my faith. And I was attending this, but I was not present. I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. Uh, I was definitely not intentional, I was stuck broke in my faith. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game. And I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it. Honey, you've been trying to quit and you've been saying this and saying that. And I'm a, you know, he, his big line to me is, you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never followed through on them. And so this was, Week after week, month after month, he is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you, on your own, could have done this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 through 21, St. Paul compares the sacrifice of the Christians to the sacrifice of Israel and then to the sacrifice of the pagans. Paul calls the chalice, the blood of Christ, and the bread as participation in the body of Christ, and then warns his listeners that you cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons at the same time. So in other words, you need to decide what are you going to participate in? Are you going to participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice which is in the Eucharist or not. Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder. Joined by my friend Anne DeSantis, we're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder, and thank you 
so much for joining us, even though uh, joining you a little bit late. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we had some technical difficulties here at the onset of the program, but uh, we appreciate you sticking with us and uh, listening to us on uh, both Podbean and on YouTube today. We're not live on Twitter. We're sorry about that, but uh, thank you so much for being a part of our program and uh, joining with us in our ministry to sow hope into broken hearts. As always, I'm joined by my friend and uh, co-host, Ann DeSantis. How are you this morning, Ann? Oh, great. Beginning of the week on a Tuesday, that couldn't be better. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's a short week. It's, it's yeah. nice to know it's a short week. So uh, That's right. Well, That's uh, right. Well, Hope everybody we had a nice memorial. Uh, excuse me, Labor Day. I almost yeah. said Memorial Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish we could rewind, rewind a Memorial Day and have more of the summer. But uh, anyway, uh, why don't you talk to us a little about who is our guest today? Yes, I'm so excited because she is a friend and really an amazing wife and mother and also Catholic evangelist because that's what she is. Is It's Emily K. Whiting. And Emily is a Catholic speaker and a writer. So I welcome you this morning, Emily. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Ann and Bill. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, an honor and a privilege. And for us, it is too. And for those who are, are listening, uh, I would like to invite them to go to your website to see all the great things that you're doing. Her, her website is Emily K, the letter K, Whiting, W H I. T-I-N-G.com. And I have to say, I really do like your website. And you say real life, real love, real faith. And I like some of the testimonials there that you have right on the front page of the website. But you also have a, a little mini kind of like autobiography. It's only like a little paragraph that says, I'm a Catholic speaker and writer whose mission is simple to lead God's people into a deepened relationship with him by seeing them for who they are and loving them for who he created them to be. On this site, in my writings and talks, I get real, real about life, real about love, and real about faith. Join me as we together deepen our relationship with God in a very real way. I like that because the word real is a, is a word that we need to hear more often, especially when we're looking at social media and TV, there's so much unrealness. There's so much fakeness. So when we yes. say get real, I know that you yourself as a wife and mother have overcome so many challenges of faith. So um, I thought we could just start out with just telling us your own story and your faith story. Absolutely. And thank you so much for the introduction and, um, for, for sharing that kind of little bio. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, my, my faith journey, it starts out, uh, I was a cradle Catholic. I was so very blessed to grow up in the Catholic church. And I had a relationship with Jesus all through growing up. Um, but I think like many of us, I didn't really own that Catholic faith and that, that relationship with Jesus wholeheartedly or, or fully understand the gift of it until later in life when things fell apart and I absolutely needed that faith to get through. Um, so, you know, going through high school, had a relationship with Jesus. I, I was very much a, a follower of what the church taught. I knew the rules and, and I followed them faithfully um, or, or uh, religiously, I suppose you could say. And then I went off to college and I remember, you know, kind of 
being excited about the fact that nobody knew me at college and I got to start over and I, I was tired of kind of being the good girl. You know what I mean? And so um, at college, I was not the good girl. I decided to, um, to experience life the way that the world has portrayed it. And um, I remember it distinctly very much thinking, and it's wild to even say it out loud now, um, that Jesus was kind of in this pretty little box on Sunday mornings. And then the rest of the week, you know, I just did what I did. Um, And so I I didn't have him very much invited into every aspect of my life. And um, so specifically, when it came to the dating scene and, you know, pursuing of our desires, I remember really questioning, you know, okay, we we were taught all these rules for dating and for intimacy and for relationships, but I don't understand the why. And uh, I knew it in my head, what I was supposed to do, but in my heart, I didn't understand um, that God was ultimately beckoning us to a deep intimacy with him through what the Catholic church taught. And so without knowing that, I kind of tossed all the rules out the window and said, um, well, if I can't explain why, then why not? And so I remember, you know, just um, kind of following my desires and doing whatever I wanted to. And Um, It became my junior year of college when I I guess you could say I hit rock bottom. And when I say rock bottom, I mean, I, I kind of woke up to the realization that this relationship I once had with Jesus was no longer there. And the vibrant, very much alive young woman I used to be was no longer there either. I, um, I woke up feeling very distant from God. And, you know, of course, at first I started questioning, well, God, why did you leave me? And then I realized over the course of time, well, God didn't leave me. I pushed him out. God never went anywhere. Um, And so I ended up at the time I was dating a young man, a wonderful young man, but I couldn't handle repairing a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with a young man at the same time. So I separated from him, broke it off with him, and I went to confession. And mind you, up until then, Um, any experience of confession I had had was just when I was absolutely forced to go, you know, for the sacraments of first communion and, and reconciliation and confirmation. And up until then, my experience of, of reconciliation was very fear filled, but I just had this overwhelming feeling of God, I've, I've got to get back in union with you. And the only way I know how to start is to go back to the root of the faith that I was taught. And I'm going to go back to confession because it can't hurt anything. Right. And so I went to confession and you know what, it was the most holy, beautiful hour. Just even thinking about it gets me all teary eyed because the priest was absolutely a conduit of Jesus's love. And he met me where I was. He, you know, pushed the, the tissues over to me as I cried and poured out my heart of all that I had done over the last few years and how I had pushed that aside. And, um, and he invited me to, for my penance, he didn't send me home to say, you know, Hail Mary's and our fathers. He said, I want you to go home and I want you to write a letter to Jesus and tell him everything that you've done. And then he said, three days later, I want you to write a letter back to yourself of what do you think Jesus would say to you? And I actually have the letter sitting right here in front of me that uh, I wrote They were incredibly powerful. They still are. When I read them, I'm overwhelmed by the reality that um, that letter back to me was absolutely inspired by the Holy Spirit because I would have never had the wisdom or the mercy on myself to write what what I wrote. And 
those letters and that confession really set my heart on this incredible journey of really starting to dive into my faith and understand, you know, okay, the church teaches various things, but I need to start understanding why so that I can not just have it in my head, but have it in my heart and start living it out. Because clearly living the way I was and following the way the world was teaching me to go was not going well (laughs) and left me feeling very empty and alone. So um, the next two years really were an incredible journey of walking with the Lord, learning how to invite him into every aspect of my life, not just Saturday or Sunday morning, but Saturday evenings and Friday nights. Um, having him be a part of, you know, all the times that I really was a a great person and all the times that I wasn't and inviting him into my deepest desires, um, inviting him into my relationships. You know, I once had thought that uh, kind of my dating life and my faith life were separate and wow, how wrong was I in that? Um, So two years later, as I kind of journeyed with God and learned to invite him into into my life and and become very intimately close with him, I got one of those Holy Spirit taps. You know, when when you get like those taps on the shoulder from him and he puts something on your heart that you need to do. And and oftentimes, at least in my experience, it's things you don't really want to (laughs) do, but they're for your better, right? So I got one of those Holy Spirit taps saying, Emily, you need to call that boyfriend back that you left two years ago and you need to apologize for hurting him as much as you did. And um, at that point, I was at a place in my faith journey where I knew if God tells you to do something, you should do it. (laughs) So I did it. I called him and uh, I remember our call lasted, I think it was three minutes and 30 seconds. And I said, you know, I'm, I, we haven't talked for two years. We haven't exchanged one word but I know that I really broke your heart. And um, he had also been raised Catholic, but, but like me had, you know, not learned how to, we hadn't learned how to infuse faith in our, in our, in our journey uh, together into our relationship. So um, he had that, that foundation too. And it turned out over the last two years, God had been really working on his heart too. And, um, but the, the conversation lasted three minutes and 30 seconds. And it was just me pouring out my heart saying, I'm so sorry. And him silent. And then at the end, he said, um, Emily, can I call you back? <laughs> and I remember being like, yeah, that's a reasonable response. <laughs> so we hung up and three days later, he called me back. And uh, there's something about three days, right, Ann and Bill? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So three days later, he calls me back and it blossomed into this incredible growing relationship where we realized how much we had both grown over the last two years. We realized how much we needed Jesus at the center of our relationship, Um, you know, that we couldn't be each other's God, but that we had to serve one God and then unite together in relationship. And um, so fast forward, we ended up getting married, which was an incredible journey to see God take such a broken relationship uh, that started out very much with God shoved out, shoved to the side, to then become a strong marriage founded on him with him at the center of it all. Um, You know, only God could have done something like that. So that was incredible. And, um, you know, a few years into our marriage, we were very happily married and, uh, and things were going great, but I got another one of those Holy Spirit taps and God was beckoning me to start using my skills and, and my le- lessons, um, my lessons in life and faith 
and start sharing them and using some of my uh, training professionally to, to do that. So I'm trained in, in marketing, public speaking, writing, communications, essentially. And, uh, and so that's what I have been doing ever since then is, is building a ministry to share real life, real love, and real faith. Um, and so we go deep into just sharing um, God's amazing heart and how he ultimately wants to woo our hearts closer to his through our desires. And those desires are very good and holy and beautiful if we just let him uh, allow them to lead us to him. So that's, that's my faith journey in a nutshell. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so beautiful. You know what? You and I have done a couple uh, online videos for the foundation that I'm the director for, and I did not hear that story about you and your husband. So, I mean, that was a good one. That was a really good one. I'm glad we got that on, on audio for, for not only for us here, but for everybody listening, because that was a great story. And there's a lot more to your story than, than even just that. We know that. And it is yeah. real life, real faith, real love. And um, I hope I said that correctly. Yeah. Yes. Real love, real faith. So, Tell us more because uh, the story did develop as you, you had a family and how God even came in in a greater way. Yes. Thank you, Anne. Yeah. And I, I have that tagline, real life, real love, real faith, because um, I think what I was seeking so much in college was authenticity and an authentic teaching of the, the Catholic church. Um, not that that wasn't out there. I just probably didn't really want to know it. So I didn't look too hard. <laughs> You know what I mean? But, um, but I say real life, real love, real faith, because I think Jesus meets us where we are in real life, in the dirt and the grime of it on the Saturday nights and the Friday nights and the Sunday mornings. And it's in meeting us in that real life that he shares his real love and that we grow in real faith. And so that's kind of the foundation of my ministry is just trying to be rooted in being real or authentic of of just sharing, you know, I, I haven't been perfect all along at all, far from it. And that's what has ultimately led me to his heart is um, experiencing what it means to be distant from him and feeling that distance and then feeling that incredible unity with him. And, um, and man, I, I just can't even imagine life without him anymore. Um, so I, I really hope that you know, I just pray that um, that listeners and, and anyone that we interact with ultimately is led closer and closer to his heart because uh, he he loves us incredibly and he ultimately created us to have that deep relationship with him. So um, so that's that's my mission. But yeah, to go back to the story. And so we about probably a year after I got that Holy Spirit tap saying, you know, I want you to start speaking and writing and sharing your story um, and your faith journey with your husband so that others might not have to learn the hard way, I, we discovered we were pregnant. And we were overjoyed. Uh, this was going to be our first child. We were uh, probably about two or three years married by then. And uh, we went into the 20-week ultrasound, which is halfway through a pregnancy. And usually at that ultrasound, they do what's called an anatomy scan. So they're kind of checking over the baby to make sure you know everything is measuring correctly, checking for any kind of big um, illnesses that would be obvious. And also that's where they reveal whether you're having a boy or girl. And so we went in there, you know, I guess you could say pretty naive because up until then he and I and all of our families uh, were quite healthy and there had never really been a, a, a baby born with any issues. So we just assumed we were going to learn that we were having a boy or girl and we would go home and that would be that. 
Well, we learned we were having a girl, and of course we were overjoyed, but we also learned that uh, our little girl had malformations from head to toe already visible on this ultrasound. And mind you, she's the size at this point of a, about a sweet potato, right? Mm. So she's a very little, little baby. And they could already see on that ultrasound that her brain had malformed. There was a part of it missing that connected the right and left lobes of the brain. Uh, her lip was missing called a cleft lip. And they couldn't tell on the ultrasound yet, but they assumed that it was likely also meaning her palate was missing or the roof of her mouth, which once she was born turned out to be true. She did not have a roof to her mouth. Um, her heart was malformed. Uh, they couldn't quite figure out what was wrong, but something was majorly wrong with the heart, her kidneys and her liver. There was a large mass in her abdomen that filled the entire right portion and they knew it was not an organ, but they couldn't figure out what it was. So, you know, imagine you go in to learn whether you're having a boy or a girl. And so you're, you know, at the highest of highs, discovering you're having a little girl and you get to watch her do flips on the ultrasound screen and you're just overjoyed. And then, you know, by the end of the appointment, you're walking out. Really, we, we felt like we were attending her funeral already. Um, our doctor was, um, you know, trying, you know, very empathetic and and um, and they immediately got us in with the fetal care uh, specialist maternal fetal medicine the very next day, thank goodness. Um, and I remember sitting down with him and I wrote down a list of questions for him. And the questions were things like, um, when she passes, will we get her body? Um, you know, should we name her even though we're likely to lose her? Um, you know, questions like that. And he answered them all very patiently. And then at the end of those questions, he kind of sat back and thought for a minute. And then he, he looked at my husband and I, and he said, now I've really, I've helped you answer questions about your child's death. And, you know, we might lose her because we don't know. Uh, but he said, the baby I see on the ultrasound screen right now is very much alive. He said, I'm, you know, can't keep up with her with the ultrasound uh, probe, trying to, trying to check all of these uh, challenges out because she keeps doing flips. So she's very much alive. And, you know, he said, I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I do know that right now she's alive. And if, if you're on board with giving her every chance of life, I'm right there with you. Now, mind you, we had been offered abortion right before then as, as an option. Um, and of course we said, you know, we, we were raised Catholic. We knew that wasn't an option. Plus this was our little girl. We were madly in love with her already. Uh, and so we said, of course not, we're, we're all in for, for life. And when God chooses to take her, then, then that, that will be up to him. So at that point, we rolled up our sleeves and we, um, you know, I, I don't think I knew at the time what a blessing that doctor's words were and how they reframed my thinking. Um, but man, they really helped me focus on the gift of life today. And I, I don't know what tomorrow brings. You know, I didn't know if I would still have a live baby in my womb tomorrow, but I knew I had one today. And so um, week by week, we followed the pregnancy. We, we were up in Cleveland Clinic over and over every week, have seen all these different specialists preparing for her birth. Um, you know, and the big question was, it wasn't necessarily would she make it through pregnancy? They knew that based on what they could see on the ultrasound, my body could sustain her. But once she was born, we didn't know if she would live for a minute, a day, a year, or not at all. Um, you know, we didn't know if she would have mental handicaps with part of the brain missing, if she would have physical handicaps. The assumption was probably highly likely both uh, if she survived. So 
Anyway, we got to 37 weeks. The pregnancy is usually 40 weeks long. And at 37 weeks, the doctors decided she was actually um, going to have a better chance of survival outside of the womb than in. And so um, they induced her delivery. And uh, I was so blessed that I got to hold her. You know, I guess my one big prayer through the whole pregnancy, I, I never really prayed, God, help her survive. God, don't let her have, you know, physical or mental handicaps. I never really prayed those things. I mostly just prayed, let me hold my live baby when she's born, you know, and, and what you do from there, I don't know, but just let me hold my live baby when she's born. And I did, I got to hold her for about 30 seconds before they whisked her away to the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit um, to start, you know, doing a bunch of tests on her heart, her kidneys, her lungs, her, her liver, all those things. But I did get to hold her for 30 seconds and man, was that um, a beautiful time. And um, we didn't get to hold her again for another week because she had some major lines and leads into her umbilical cord that if you accidentally you know, hurt them, then she could bleed out. So we had to just leave her uh, in, the, in the incubator and, and let her hold our hand and kind of touch her head and that was it. Uh, she didn't get her first meal for a week because she uh, was kind of on, on call for the operating room at any given moment, depending on what her vital signs would show. Uh, but we were so blessed. She made it to five days before she needed her first surgery. And um, then at that point, we were in the NICU for 72 days. She uh, is now two and a half, almost three. Her name is Charlotte. She has had 11 surgeries. Um, what's incredible, and I know both of you have shared that you have had some heart uh, diagnoses, some major ones and some, some major challenges there. What's incredible is of her 11 surgeries, not one has been, well, there's been a test on her heart, but not one has been a surgery of her heart yet. We know that that's coming. One will be needed, but we just keep hoping that we can get her bigger and bigger and bigger so her heart will get stronger. And um, and thus far, God has, you know, our doctor told us um, when we last visited our cardiologist, he said, I've never monitored a child any closer than yours. I've tested her more than any other child and yet not intervened, intervened the least. Um, so, and that's really how it's been through everything. Every doctor has come from the operating room or from a test saying, you know what, I can see that there's major malformations. I can see that, you know, XYZ organ is incredibly unique and yet somehow it's working. So we're just not going to mess with it. <laughs> you know, her liver is that way. Um, her liver should have needed transplanted two years ago, but it hasn't. And every indication shows at this point, it will be fine by itself. Um, you know, her whole GI system was actually backwards. They had to reverse the entire thing. Uh, her appendix was on the wrong side. And, um, you know, just her list of diagnoses is, you know, longer than one page. It's incredible. And yet when you see her, um, all you see is a little two and a half year old girl having a great time. So it's been quite a journey. Um, she, you know, we have another surgery coming up in a month, which uh, I'm, I'm not looking forward to, but I also can kind of live with a, a sigh of relief just knowing we've made it through 11. We can do 12. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's been quite a faith journey. Wow. Absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, uh, listening to you talk uh, is also a lot like listening to my mother um, talk about me with growing up with the, with the heart uh, surgeries and, and going through all of that. Uh, just there's a lot of chaos, 
you know, um, but there's yeah. still a lot of beauty in there. And, uh, you know, I don't have half the issues that uh, your daughter Charlotte has, but um, it's just amazing to, to hear your faith and how the Holy Spirit and how God uh, worked through uh, you. And, you know, speaking to a lot of Catholics out there right now, especially during this time, um, I, I think you have a great perspective, pro-life perspective, uh, because, because I, I feel very strongly pro-life, obviously having survived what I survived. Um, and, and I think, uh, with, with you, you as well, you know what, I mean, being able to say, you know, I'm Catholic, I was raised Catholic. And if this baby lives 30 seconds, I'm, I'm still going to, you know, give it back to God. I'm still going to, you know, and, and yeah, it's going to be heartbreaking. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, but, but, um, you know, this is what, motherhood's about. This is what fatherhood is about. It's about, um, you know, even if it lasts 30 seconds, it's better than no seconds at all. And really, you know, from the moment of conception till natural death. And so what an amazing witness that is. And uh, maybe you just want to talk about what, how is, how is Charlotte's, uh, you know, life? How is her demeanor? How, like, is she, I mean, a little happy baby, you said, but just explain a little more about that. Cause I think so many people yeah. can hear that. Charlotte is such a joy. My goodness. She's a fighter. She is a joyful child. Um, I've had many people comment and I couldn't agree more that when they see Charlotte, they can just see and feel the Holy Spirit radiating from her. She's so joyful. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to cry telling you about it. That's okay. Um, she's, she's so darn tough. That little kid, my goodness, she falls and scrapes her knee. And, you know, of course she cries like any other two and a half year old. But about two minutes later, she wipes her tears off with the back of her hand and she runs and goes play and plays again. Oh. You know, so she has learned some incredible resiliency. I remember in the NICU um, many times she'd be wheeled away in the incubator for this test or that test. And she'd come back and the nurse would say, oh my goodness, this child is a fighter. She is feisty. You know, she pulled this line out. She pulled this lead out. She would roll away. You know, this little five pound, 11 ounce baby was saying, you know, <laughs> let me go. I'm going to, I'm going to go free. So, um, she's a fighter, but she's so sweet. She's just learned, uh, the last couple of weeks, how to say, I love you. And, um, as you can imagine, because she doesn't, didn't have a palate, um, she, she, one of her surgeries gave her a palate, but it wasn't till she was about, I think she was a year and a half when she got a palate. So she's only had a palate for about a year now. Uh, so if you think about it, you need your palate to make a lot of different sounds for speech. So she's pretty, pretty delayed in speech. She speaks about like a one and a half year old does. Um, and she's two and a half. So when she learned how to say, I love you, of course, we all melted. And it yeah. sounds kind of like I, you, you, but that's okay. We know what she's saying. <laughs> And um, it's just so stinking sweet. So, you know, actually this weekend, she probably said it, you know, if not twice, 200 times. And finally we had to say, okay, this is going to be the last time we say it, Charlotte, because, <laughs> because she just wanted to say it constantly, probably because we kept, you know, getting so excited when she did say it. So yeah. lots of positive reinforcement there. But um, she has a little brother, Liam, who is precious and, um, she also has a little, what we believe to be a sister, uh, who we lost between the two pregnancies. She is in heaven, and um, we we actually, our nurse, this was incredible. Um, our nurse who followed us through our pregnancy with Charlotte, when we got pregnant with Lillianne, uh, our second daughter, uh, and I say daughter because when we went in for our 
uh, first appointment, um, we sat down with this nurse and of course she knew all of Charlotte's story. And she said, Emily, I'm so excited for you because I have this vision. She's Catholic, this, this wonderful nurse. She said, I have this vision that your little baby is a little girl and she's gonna sit at the feet of Charlotte's hospital bed after every surgery and help her heal. And then two weeks later, we lost the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. We had a miscarriage. And I remember thinking, you know, at first, God, what happened to that vision? I thought she had a vision and I believed it. And then, you know, as I had some time to heal and my heart heal a little bit, I realized that that vision is still true. And, um, you know, now Lillianne gets to be at the feet of Charlotte's hospital bed after every surgery and, and be there as her uh, cheerleader up in heaven. So that's been incredible. And then, of course, we have Liam, too, who is at the feet of, of uh, her surgery bed always as well. And always stealing her toys and helping her, uh, helping her get distracted from whatever pain she's had. So it's been quite a journey and we're very, very blessed with, uh, three beautiful children. That's so amazing. It is so amazing. And I just love to hear that. And Bill, I have to say my mind did go to your mother during her story too, uh, because of Bill's, you know, beginnings, right. With, uh, surgeries and things that he had as a baby and, and praise God, Bill, praise God. Oh yeah. Uh, but 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 it's so beautiful to hear the story of Charlotte and your family and your your children and thank you so much for sharing. Uh, now I'd love to talk also about your mission and the great things that you're doing with your speaking engagements and also being a writer. And if you go on your website, you actually have your talk topics and your blog and. Charlotte's journal and your calendar. So please tell us more about how uh, all of that works on your website for people who might go to emilykwhiting.com and think, wow, I'd really like for her to come to my church or do some kind of an online event or something, because I know you can do that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and Bill, I have to uh, kind of laugh at, at, at Anne, Anne uh, both of you mentioning your mom, because as I was learning more of your story, Bill, of course, me as a mother of a child with medical challenges, I instantly thought of your mom and thought, <laughs> wow, I would love to meet her and, and learn how she navigated that because uh, we, us moms, we got to stick together. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and thank you for sharing the website. And um, so, yeah, if this all, so as we got Charlotte into a stable place, I really felt ready to dive back into some ministry. And I remember posting to my audience and saying, hey, if you're looking for a speaker or a writer, you know, I'm, I'm back in action. Of course, I'm still kind of taking all these breaks in between surgeries, but, but I uh, would love to come to your events and share uh, my story and um, help young adults or, or teens or, or even adults to learn more about their desires, the value of their bodies, et cetera. And I got an overwhelming response from folks but it wasn't for my original topics. It was more for wanting to know Charlotte's story and how we sustain faith through all of that. And um, so it's been incredible over the last few years watching kind of, you know, at first I thought, well, God, how, how, these are two very different topics. How do I, how do I do this ministry? And um, what's become very apparent is they're not different at all, really. At the end of the day, they're both rooted in what I've discovered, the truths of Pope John Paul II, theology of the body. And uh, what's so neat is, as you kind of learned in my story, I 
learned the truths of theology of the body long before I knew even what theology of the body was. Um, I learned theology of the body about three years ago. Somebody introduced me to Pope John Paul II. They said, oh, you're speaking on this topic. You really should know what theology of the body is, which is so funny because in hindsight, I think, good gravy. How did I not know theology of the body before I started this ministry? But it's been such a neat evolution that God's walked me on this journey of saying, okay, you've, you've experienced this firsthand and you're sharing your story and that's great. Now, let me teach you the Catholic's Catholic Church's teachings so that you have the language to put to your experiences, right? So um, I've become the student of theology of the body. And, and so now really I can see how both topics, you know, sharing our journey with Charlotte and sharing my journey with my husband and, and through kind of the dating scene and, and relationships and our desires, it's very much related because at the end of the day, our bodies and only our bodies make visible the invisible love of God. And what could tell that story any better than sharing, you know, the story of, of our um, dating relationship and then sharing the story of Charlotte and her body and how that has healed. So um, if you go to my website, you can see I have about eight different topics that I've kind of teased out from those, those stories and those experiences, all rooted in the truth of theology of the body. I would not say that I'm a theology of the body teacher. I am a theology of the body witness. And I can, you know, share with you the, the truth and the beauty and the incredible, um, uh, you know, truths of Pope John Paul II, and then point you to more resources. I'm currently attending Theology of the Body Institute to learn more, um, hoping to get certified and, and just continue to grow there. You know, any new resources that come out about Theology of the Body, I just eat it up and, <laughs> and uh, constantly listening to podcasts and reading books and trying to learn as much as I can so I can share it with my audiences. So knowing that, of course, we are in the middle of a pandemic, live events uh, are probably not going to happen for quite some time. But if there's any kind of uh, virtual event that you have a need for, if you know, you're a church or you're a group leader um, and, and you could find value in uh, sharing, you know, real life, real love and real faith with your audiences, I definitely encourage you to go check out my website. There's those eight different talks and each talk has a description for what audiences those talks are fitting for. You know, whether it's PSR or a mom's group or a dad's group or, um, you know, uh, life teen, etc. So, um, you know, my hope would be that those talks can really, at the end of the day, and I think you read it in my, in my bio, uh, Anne, that my goal and what the Holy Spirit keeps telling me is to see my people and love my people. You know, so, so through all my talks and all my writings, my hope is to be very real so that I can truly see his people for who he created them to be and lead them to his heart so that they can become that beautiful creation he created them to be. Um, and it's, it's quite an honor and a privilege that God has allowed me to, to kind of be at the front row seat and, and watch a lot of, um, a lot of folks, you know, learn more about his heart and draw closer to him. So, you know, um, if you go to my website, you can see lots of writings and lots of uh, examples of, of talks. And of course, you can check out the talks. You can, you can contact me on that website. Um, there's an email form. And of course, my number's on there too. So would love to hear from anyone. I love the clarity of your message and the positivity. 
And, you know, I know that there's also a difference between the power of positive thinking and also our Catholicism. We know that because there's the cross, right? And it's not yeah. just about thinking positively, but I do love your message in that there is a real positivity to how you're communicating this message to people that no matter where they are, who they are, there is uh, the light of God that can shine on their lives. And, and through this education that you're offering uh, through the theology of the body, through teaching them about the struggles of the cross and how God is with them during those times. Uh, I just think that is a great thing. I mean, it says here that your primary audiences are pre-Cana marriage prep events, marriage enrichment events, PSR, youth groups, life teen, teen retreats, parent groups, moms groups, adult women's events, teachers, and RCIA. I thought I would just mention that because if people are listening and thinking, you know, how and where can Emily come to our church or do an online event? It seems you're just about covering almost everybody. I think that's amazing. Well, and I think, you know, the message remains the same, but becomes um, adjusted for each audience to fit where they are in their life and help them just go that next step towards Jesus, right? Um, and, and probably one of the biggest challenges for me is I want to, uh, you know, I, I want to give my audiences everything and lead them to this incredibly deep relationship with God. But what God has continued to reveal to me is it's a one step at a time journey for each one of us. And that's how he led me closer to his heart. And that's how he leads others is one step at a time, wooing us deeper and deeper and deeper into a relationship with him. And so if I can just be a conduit for that next step closer, then my job is done. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like that too. I think, I think uh, we often forget, especially as, as Catholics, that we often forget, number one, the personal relationship that we're supposed to have with Jesus. Uh, but yes. number two, uh, the fact that it is a journey. And some days we take steps backward, and other days we take steps forward. And, you know, um, it is not a straight path. Uh, it is not a easy path, and as God continues to throw challenges in our way, uh, you know, it's it's through just having the faith and the um, and the trust in Him that that ultimately moves us closer to His heart. It ultimately moves us closer to His heart when we have the faith and the trust in Him. It's not that you know life is going to be perfect. You know, I. I I think that's what's incredible about your story too, Emily, is the fact that, you know, life isn't perfect. You know, uh, it's, you know, just because I turn my life around and because I get married or because I do this, or because I do that, it means, oh, now God's just going to bless me with, you know, this perfect life. No, there's still going to be challenges. There's still going to be problems. There's still going to be issues. And uh, I, I think that, you know, a lot of people just think about out there, okay, once I, once I have this relationship with God, well, my life is, you know, absolutely perfect. And yes, it is perfect that we have, you know, our, our, our trust in Jesus and everything, but it doesn't mean that our circumstances are going to be perfect and that everything is going to work out, you know, like, like, like the end of, uh, you know, a perfect movie or something. Like, that's not how this works. You know, it, it's not uh, engineered. It's not scripted. It's not written like a TV show. Our lives are not written like a right? TV show. And, and so... Um, you know, we have to, we, so, so that we have to be reminded of that and your story and your witness and, you know, all the things that you can offer to people 
um, you know, through your speaking, through your witness, through your ministry, uh, through theology of the body, all those things that you're able to witness to people, uh, help people realize that, that we're on this journey. So, so thank you so much for the witness, for your, for your mission, and answering the call. Thank you so much for answering the call. Yeah, I thank you, that. Bill. Yeah, thank you, Bill, and thank you, Emily. Yeah, I completely agree with Bill. And Bill, I think you hit the nail on the head too, because uh, sometimes for people of faith, the challenges come even more so for us because God knows that we can handle it for whatever reason, right? Yeah. I don't right. know what that reason is, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, sometimes those challenges come even more more full force because then we can be a witness to others to to keep the faith right to keep our, our our prayers and our relationship with christ and the church and with others so uh how how beautiful thank you so much thank you um you know and i think one thought that came to mind as as you were both sharing is um answering the call is not easy and it's not a one and done thing just like with faith you know, you don't just say, I believe today, and then for the rest of your life, you're a believer. Um, at least that's not been my experience. <laughs> it requires a daily walk with Christ. And like you said, Bill, it's it's one step back, two steps forward, sometimes three steps back, one step forward. But um, those stumbling blocks, always God can turn into, can always work for good. Actually, today's scripture, I was reading today's readings and uh, I'm going to totally butcher what chapter it was in and what, what verse it was, but it's, it's um, Paul saying that God works everything for our good, everything together for our good. And man, is that so true that I've watched that, you know, be woven together through my story and through countless others around me. And I've had the privilege because of this journey to to witness many other families going through medical challenges with their children. I, um, I actually remember there was a young woman who I had kind of been in the NICU with for several months. And um, she actually had her child on another floor, but we would always meet in the family room and have a cup of coffee and lament over the latest, you know, test results or, or whatever with her daughter in mind. And um, I remember one day I came in and she was just sobbing on the couch. And, um, you know, part of me kind of felt relieved of like, oh my gosh, at least somebody's expressing how we all feel, right? But I, I went over and I sat down beside her and I just put my hand on her knee and I didn't say a word. Mm. And I remember about five minutes into her sobbing, she kind of sniffled and, and looked up at me and she said, Emily, everybody just keeps telling me to have faith. She said, but Emily, faith is not the issue. I have plenty of faith, but this, and excuse my language, this, well, I'll just say stinks. <laughs> this stinks. And I remember kind of just being like, you're right. This does stink. And that doesn't mean you have any less faith. And you can cry and you can be sad and you can be mad and you can experience all of those emotions. And that doesn't mean you have any less faith. Um, sometimes faith is experiencing the hardships of life and saying, you know what, God, this really stinks. I'm still with you, but this stinks. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, you said it perfectly. I was thinking about the uh, scripture uh, as well as you were talking there about the, um, the, the wise and foolish builders, right? I mean, when, when Christ is talking about uh, the house being built on rock or the house being built on sand, right? The, the constant is the storm. The constant is the storm. There's always going to be the storm, 
right? Uh, but but it's how we build. It's you know, and and we can have we can build our house on the rock, or we can build it on the sand. You're still going to build a house, no matter what. But you might as well build it on the faith. And I think that you're going to experience, as you said, all those emotions. You, it's okay to experience sadness. It's okay to experience uh, difficulties. It's okay to experience because you are. That's the storm. The, the the thing that is constant in that story, in that parable, is the fact that the storm is going to rage no matter what, right? And yes. and so, I I think you know we as as people who uh, of of faith of, as Catholics um, who have experienced difficulties in our lives, who've experienced you know great heartbreak, great um, great difficulty, great medical issues, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, um, you can have faith, but it doesn't necessarily change the fact that you're going to experience the storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I just love having you as a guest here. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And uh, yeah, and I also want to let uh, viewers know too that through the foundation that I represent, the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation, is that we have uh, two videos with Emily K. Whiting. One is already on our website at nonatus.org where you can watch one of her presentations, right? And, and learn more about her. And also another one that's coming up soon. So just wanted to remind them to just go to that website on our videos page and be able to watch it too. Thank you, Anne. Oh yeah, thank you, thank you. Do you have any other kind of final thoughts? I know we're gonna be ending pretty soon. Uh, I didn't know if you had any other words for people who are maybe going through some tough times, especially parents who have a child with some type of medical issue. Absolutely. You know, I think probably the one thing, if there's anything that I can share um, to leave with the audience is no matter what you're going through to invite Jesus into it, Um, the pain, the heartache, the good, the beautiful, all of it to invite him in and let him see and let him be a part of your journey. Um, you know, if, if it's a, if it's, if you're in a situation where, you know, maybe it is a medical situation or, or whatever it is, that's really challenging. If you're experiencing anger with God, let him in on that. Tell him, you know, um, be angry with him, (laughs) have a conversation with him. Um, I, I like to think of it a lot, like with your spouse, you know, it's never healthy to keep your emotions pent up or to keep your thoughts pent up. Um, how we have those conversations, of course, is important, but taking those to our spouse. And if there's one thing I've learned, it's that God wants to ultimately be our lover and our spouse. Uh, he's wooing us to a deep, intimate relationship with him. And if we can let him in on every aspect of our life, especially the most intimate ones, and probably the ones that we are the most resistant to let him in on, um, like we've said, it's not going to make life easy, but it sure will help you uh not only get through life and get through those challenges, but it will help you thrive. You don't just have to survive. You can thrive. Amen. And, and it's not, you know, sometimes it's not going to look pretty, but, um, but you can, you can survive and you can thrive. And, you know, sometimes I look back on some of our most challenging times in life. You know, when I remember just kind of, you know, the, the heartbreak of breaking up with my then boyfriend and trying to figure out how to re group my life and how to reset my life. And then the heartbreak of learning about our daughter's medical challenges and the heartbreak of the NICU. And those times were all very hard. And yet a little part of me almost misses those times 
because it's in those very broken moments that I am the deepestly intimate with God because I need him so much. Um, and whether I was aware of it at the time or not, most cases I wasn't, but in hindsight, I can see the depth of him carrying me through those situations and being with me. And it's no different for anyone listening. God's with us no matter what situation we're in, whether we feel him with us or not. And um, if we can just let him in on our pain, our heartache, our troubles, our challenges, and our good, um, you know, it's incredible what he can do with that. I think of uh, his wounds and how those wounds are glorified now in his glorified body. And he's, he's doing the same with us, with our wounds. He's glorifying them. And, and um, ultimately those wounds are going to bring him glory. Uh, so I just invite you to, to a deeper relationship with him. And it starts with a simple prayer of inviting him into whatever challenge is, is in front of you today. Awesome. What a great message. And, uh, and folks, uh, again, it's emilykwhiting.com. Please uh, check out Emily's website. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Emily. Uh, thank you so much for being here and, uh, and, and sharing your amazing journey. Uh, folks, I hope you rewind this podcast and listen to it over and over again. Uh, it's got some really great, great uh, encouragement and uplifting stuff. Uh, so thank you, Emily, so much. Yes, thank I you, say Bill. thank you. Thank you so much from me, too. Thanks, Anne. Thank you for this opportunity. And uh, I'll be praying for both of you and for everyone listening. Amen. Well, folks, uh, head over to our website, patchworkheart.org, for more information about this, to get a copy of this, uh, the Fearless Rosary and other great uh, resources and things. And until next time, we'll see you. Keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. When I was young, in the 1950s, I attended Catholic Grammar School and I memorized the Baltimore Catechism. In fact, I think I got an A on all of my tests. Um, I faithfully attended Mass each week, not because I wanted to, but because I was afraid if I didn't, I would suffer eternal damnation. I followed all the rules. I followed my Catholic faith um, faithfully. But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine. I can't even share with you how I was so wrote in my faith. And I was attending this, but I was not present. I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. Uh, I was definitely not intentional, I was stuck broke in my faith. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have 
a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game. And I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it. Honey, you've been trying to quit and you've been saying this and saying that. And I'm, a, you know, he, his big line to me is, you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never followed through on them. And so this was week after week, month after month. He is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you on your own could have done this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 through 21, St. Paul compares the sacrifice of the Christians to the sacrifice of Israel and then to the sacrifice of the pagans. Paul calls the chalice, the blood of Christ, and the bread as participation in the body of Christ, and then warns his listeners that you cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons at the same time. So in other words, you need to decide what are you going to participate in? Are you going to participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice, which is in the Eucharist or not?